take your copy of God's Word and turn, if you will, to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29. God gives us such a great opportunity to be able to come and to worship Him together. Again, as been mentioned this morning already, there are so many places around our world where Christians do not have this opportunity. They can't gather in such an open way and public way. And we know that even today there are those who are making decisions, decisions that could affect their very life, decisions to serve Christ. And we need to be praying for them, and we also need to recognize the opportunities that we have. You know, for us, if we have the opportunity to come in freedom and worship, then we ought to... We ought to take advantage of that responsibility. We ought to be there to worship. And look, we can worship any day of the week. We can worship on Sundays, our traditional Lord's Day, or we can worship on Monday night, right? And we did this last week. God really blessed us. If you were here, uh, of course, a Mississippi pastor in the pulpit. Awesome, awesome, awesome. (laughs) God works and uh, spoke to us. We have another guy tomorrow that will be here from Mississippi. I hope that you'll be here. And that you'll see how God works. And we are so thankful for those who prepare meals. We're eating Monday nights and Wednesday nights. We're eating every time we seem to get together. We're eating somewhere today, right? You got a plan? And God is good to us to be able to come together and to worship. And one of the things that I am so thankful for as well is that what God does is when he unites us in worship, that we are reminded that no matter what generation we find ourselves in, We come to a unity in Christ in the good news of Christ in particular. We come together to celebrate and worship across the generational spectrum. I think in Proverbs 20, 29, you find a nugget, a nugget that speaks of great significance, a nugget of truth that speaks about generational relationships, but somehow it it informs so much today, not only our relationships in our families and in our friends but also the relationship that we ought to see within the church as a whole i want to read it to you this morning the in the original hebrew only six words here but our english translation as it is given to us says the glory of young men is their strength and the splendor of old men is their gray head the glory of young men is their strength and the splendor of old men is their gray head. I want to take that first one, that first statement first this morning. Listen to what it says. It says that the glory of young men is their strength. So I want you to write this down. I want you just to make a note of it that the young, and and I'm going to try to be very careful this morning, all right? Give you this up front. Not long after I came here, when I spoke about ages, I was treading on some thin ice. So we're going to say the young and the old, not because of my interpretation, but that's what the Bible says, okay? (laughs) It's your interpretation of where you fall in that spectrum, all right? (laughs) The young, the young have strength and passion. I think that's what he's saying here. Listen again. He says, the glory of young men is their strength. The young have strength and passion you and i know that we see the energy of young people all the time if if you haven't lately i could 
Well, I've got three out of my four in here right now. I could parade them up here and show you energy. I would not even have to motivate them very much. You would see energy from them. My youngest one, she is a bundle of energy in and of herself. I have a little video I started to give Andy of her, well, I won't say dancing in a Baptist church, uh, interpretive movement, doing some interpretive movement. And you could see all the energy that she has. And, And you that have children, you know what it's like to have those children or grandchildren perhaps, and they are just full of energy. And listen to what he says here. Solomon says that the glory, that is the... That is what they are noted for. Young people, their glory is their strength. There is something about the strength and the passion of younger generations. There's something about their physical strength. There's something about their emotional strength. Physically, think of it just a moment. There is a reason that football is an extracurricular activity of a high school as opposed to a retirement village, right? (laughs) There is a reason. Because those young athletes, they are full of strength. They are full of energy. They They are out there to prove themselves. Energy. We see it manifest across the young spectrum. And that's what he says here, is that the glory of young men is their strength. It is their energy It is their passion. Now, I understand that some are stronger than others. I understand that. I mean, there are times that I have to assist Jason with his baptism because I'm stronger than Jake. No, that's actually the other way around, isn't it? You have to do that to help me. Never mind. I want to move on. Um, There is different strengths that we have, but among the younger generation, you, you find strength and you find energy. And while you find passion, right? If you want to find somebody that is passionate about something, oftentimes you will find that in the younger generation. So just write that down first. First point before 930, the young have strength and passion. Notice what it says, though, in that second part of verse 29. It says, and the splendor of old men is their gray head. You say, Brother Reggie, I want to see how you're going to get spiritual truth out of that one. He says that the hair itself demonstrates the beauty, as some would interpret this, or the glory of older men. Back in chapter 16, verse 31, it said, the silver-haired head is a crown of glory. So you've got some verses you can use from now on, right, guys? Next time somebody says something, it's a crown of glory. That's what you're looking at. I've got to digress for a moment. I've always loved good-looking hair, especially good-looking hair of older men. Why? Because I dream to have it one day. I was in college, Blue Mountain College. You ever heard of that college? It's up in North Mississippi. We had a president, President E. Harold Fisher. President Fisher had been at Blue Mountain for 30-plus years. Wonderful man, wonderful man of faith, wonderful 
man of uh, integrity. He had led that college for so long. And Leslie knows that when we were there at the college, I used to look at him and I would marvel. He had the most beautiful hair of anybody I'd ever seen. I know it's sad for a college kid to be thinking about these things, but I was, okay? That was about the only excitement in my life probably. But I was, I would look at him and I would marvel. And he would have just the best looking hair and it was just the right color. I mean, just the right color. I don't know what he used, Leslie. She and I talked about it many times. But it was almost like a blue that ran into a, almost a purple, didn't it? I loved it. I loved it. And every time I read these verses and think about the beauty of the great, I think of E. Harold Fisher. I'm sure he would be very thankful to know that I think of him in those ways. But I would think about it. But then I realize that they're not talking just about beauty and about being handsome and those kinds of things. What he's talking about, I believe, is wisdom and experience that comes with that age. I think that's what he's contrasting here. He talks about the younger that has strength and passion. And then he draws the contrast of the older that has wisdom and experience. So get this. The young have strength and passion. The older, the older, the old have wisdom and experience. We should know that. Older individuals should have wisdom based upon their experience. I mean, this whole book, the whole book of Proverbs collected together is supposed to speak to wisdom It is supposed to be an attempt to pour into younger individuals' lives, to to show them wisdom, to tell them what is right, and to tell them what is wrong. That is the whole purpose of the book of Proverbs. And here it's as though Solomon, the king, is looking back over his years, and he's trying to say to his, his sons who would follow, and any really individuals who would follow after him, and say, this is what wisdom is should be. This is how you should conduct yourself. Oh, how we find wisdom in the older generation. Oftentimes it is because of their experience, of their years. They've just been there and they've done that. Children, think about it a moment. When your parents tell you that you shouldn't do something, do you understand that most of the time they tell you not to do it It is based upon their own experience. In other words, they've probably done it. That's a scary kind of situation to live in, isn't it? Scary revelation, at least. They've probably done it, or at least they understand. They've seen it done. They've heard the Scriptures. And they're trying to pour into you. I am so thankful for older individuals that bring wisdom into our lives. And and it could be in a whole lot of different areas. I have to confess this to you. I've been here now about seven months, and you probably, I I think I'm getting to know you well enough I can say this. I am mechanically challenged. That would have probably surprised many of you. I know I look like I can. I am mechanically challenged. And when something goes wrong at my house or something goes wrong with my car, I have to call people. Actually, I've got a middle name, at least a middle nickname, 
that's going around. I didn't know you could have a middle nickname, but I think I do. It's uh, my, my name, according to some people now, is Reggie Anita Bridges. <laughs> because when I call, I always begin with Anita. I need something. And thankfully, there have been people who have been gracious to me. They've helped me. They've taken care of me. It, look, they have shown me what I should do in certain areas. I have, I've already grown so much mechanically minded and other things. And I'm not still there yet. I can't come help you out yet. But, but they've been there. The wisdom that they have, the practical wisdom that they have, that they can show me, they can help me. I am so thankful for those individuals. They bring wisdom and they bring experience. Especially when they bring their experience of righteousness. For back in Proverbs chapter 16 verse 31, it said, The silver-haired head is a crown of glory if it is found in the way of righteousness. I know that people can say, well, I know some younger people that are not very passionate. I know some of you can say, I know some older people that still do not appear wise in their relationship with God. And I know that there are exceptions. Remember, these are generalities. But here he says, there is something about older individuals, their wisdom, their experience, and their righteousness. He says they have demonstrated, they know what the righteous path is. And they try to direct others accordingly. So one, the young have strength and passion. Number two, the old or older, they have wisdom and experience. Now, how does that speak into our lives today? How, do that, how does that specifically speak into the church's life today? Let me suggest this to you. The young and the old, they have one another. And God has called them to worship together, to celebrate together, to complement one another. Listen, they have one another. They may have their specific giftedness and their specific characteristics, but when they are together, they have one another. And God brings them together so that they can complement each other's lives. And I think that is so important in the church's life today. I think that is so important, that truth, the idea that the older and the younger, that they complement one another, that somehow that truth speaks, it speaks so loudly within the church's ears today. We need to hear once again that generations need one another and generations should come together in the body of Christ to celebrate the good news of Christ. I was reading over in Titus. Titus chapter 2. In Titus chapter 2, 
Paul says to Titus, he says, But as for you, speak the things which are proper for sound doctrine, that the older men be sober, reverent, temperate, sound in faith, in love, in patience, he says. The older women likewise, that they, have, that they be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they admonish the young women to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, homemakers, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be blasphemed. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. In all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works and doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, and corruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you. Listen to those words. Paul said to Titus, it is important within the church context that the older men are teaching the younger men and that the older women are teaching the younger women. It is important that those relationships are there and that they are mutually beneficial. You know what's sad to me? Is that in so many of our churches today, these words from Titus would appear irrelevant. Now, I'm not saying they're irrelevant, but many of our churches today, they would appear irrelevant. Why? Because today, it seems like we have this model of churches that focus on one generation and one generation alone. And I believe we're reaching, we are, I believe that we are somehow forfeiting the benefits and the work of God in our lives because we are forsaking generational relationships in our churches. There's a reason that there are younger people. There are reason, there's a reason that there are older people. That's what King Solomon said. And yet today, in some of our churches, we have those who are just trying to focus on one generation as opposed to the other. Can you imagine what it would be like not to have a multi-generational church? Think about it for a moment. If today in this place we had nobody over the age of, let's say, 25, the rest of us who are older would not be here, okay? Just 25. Now, it might look good. It might look awesome. And I, I bet there would be I, <clears throat> I bet there would be some excitement in this building. You agree with me? I believe there would be. It would be awesome. There, there'd be people and excitement and all of that. But I'm afraid that they would miss out on some of the wisdom, on some of the experiences that God had given to the older ones. And maybe when they went about doing things. You, when, you know, because it's one thing to gather in here. It's another thing to be the church out in the community and be the church every day. And perhaps as the church was making decisions, it would, it would have a vacuum of wisdom. There would be no wisdom. Let's imagine the other side. Let's say today... That in this place, there was no one younger than 75. No offense to you who are over 75. 
I see you sometimes and you are very lively in your worship. But I'm saying to you, let's say if there's, we had just come to the point there were just people who were 75 plus. While we may know doctrine and while we may know wisdom, I'm not sure there would be quite as much energy and passion. I think it is a sad thing when a church becomes one generational. Because we offer to each other so much across the generations. You see, in too many of our churches, what I have proposed to you this morning has already become a reality. And it's become a reality rather intentionally in some places. Rather intentionally. There are those today that would be like, Let, let's just go and let's get the younger individuals, let's get them in, they're passionate, let's do that. That again, awesome to reach young people. But that's their setup, that's their model. It is simply to reach younger people. And you know what? Before we beat up on those churches, there are some of the other churches, some of our sister churches who have intentionally, one way or the other, they have intentionally skewed much older as a congregation than they ha have ever been before. Why? Because of refusal to do things maybe a little bit different. And because of that, the congregations are getting older and older and older. Some of us have churches that are dear to our heart that are in that predicament today. I believe, I believe, based upon what Solomon says to us, that the generations should complement one another. And I think that it is best demonstrated within his church, within the body of Christ. Look, we are all brought together, aren't we? What unifies us? What unifies? Well, it's the music, brother. No, it's not. Now, let me tell you this. I loved what Miss Margie played a moment ago. I thought it was awesome. I almost forgot that you were in this place and just let myself go right here as I was listening to her. It was awesome. But we are not held together by our music. We are not held together by all the exterior things. We are held together by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We stand together upon the truth of Christ. We believe that Jesus Christ died for us, rose again, that the gospel is that anybody, anybody who will believe in him and trust in him can have salvation in his or her life. That is what we stand upon. It is upon doctrine and theology that we will stand upon the word of God because let me say this to you. There are so many of these things, these fads, these music, anything that will change. But true Christ-centered worship, true Christ-centered doctrine will never change. That is what holds us together. And we need each other. We need the generations in our church. We need to do what we can to reach out to old, to young, to middle age. We need to reach out. 
so that we can truly continue to be a multi-generational church. The staff, they've heard me mention it so many times, whether it was in staff retreat or other places, but they've heard me say verbally that I thank God that one of the things that we have at Temple Baptist Church, I thank God that one of the things we have is a multi-generational church. Now, let me say to you, Temple is not a perfect church just as there is no perfect church. Why? Because it's made up of people. Right? We're not perfect. And there are other churches in this area. There are good churches that are, that are multi-generational churches as well. They're, I'm not saying we have the exclusive corner of the market. All I'm saying is, is I am grateful that I can look out into a congregation and I can see younger people and I can see older people and I can see middle-aged people because I really believe it is the most biblical model that is presented to us in the Scripture. I'm proud we have some younger individuals. You know, I, we kid oftentimes, and I think I'm still young in many ways. There were people that used to say that I was 18 going on 50, though. And I probably have a little more skewed to the older sometimes but I am thankful I've got younger individuals like college students one of those challenges and opportunities that I had as a pastor coming here was thinking about the college students and the passion that they are have you seen their passion they they could go out and win the world just like that for Christ and it strengthens me we talked about that complimentary relationship. When I see them so passionate and energetic, it, I mean, it just, it gets me energetic and passionate. There's something that is contagious. And yet, I am thankful that there are older people who can speak into my life and help me understand situations and places. And they, they can bring wisdom and they can bring experience. There is blessing in being a multi-generational church. And I believe that we should stand upon the truth of God and do everything that we can to reach out and continue to be that kind of church. Continue to be a church that has complementary relationships. Because there's wisdom. There's wisdom in this grand scheme. There's wisdom in the relational setup itself that is provided to us through the words of Solomon. And I would challenge you. I would challenge you if you're what you deem to be of the younger generation. Continue to find individuals in the older generation that will speak into your life and bring wisdom. If you're older, I, I would challenge you. You're pretty good at it. At least you are in my life. Of finding a younger individual that you can provide a lemon ice box pie to anytime you get an opportunity. 
the generational relationships that God has called us to enjoy within His church. You see, it's not only for our enjoyment. It is for the advancement of the gospel itself. I said to you, we're held together by the doctrine, by the belief of who Christ is and what He's done for us. That is really what we're held together by. And if we're working together, older generation, younger generation, and if we're going out from this place with that one message that Jesus saves, Jesus saves, Jesus saves, then we will see generations come to know him. Because in the battle that we find ourselves engaged in today, we need individuals from every generation, from every background, to take the good news of Christ. Because my friends, I tell you again that what these generations need today, what we need today, is the gospel of Christ. The only way that our culture will ever, ever change will be as the gospel of Christ advances and changes and transforms individuals' hearts and lives. We can only do it efficiently as we come together across the generational spectrum and speak the word of life to those we come in contact with. Today, may we catch the passion and the strength of the younger and may we do it in the wisdom and experience of the older so that all might know that Jesus is Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you this morning and we give you praise and we give you honor. And Father, while we are imperfect in so many ways, we are thankful that you allow us to be a part of a family here that is multi-generational. And God, I pray that we would hear this challenge today. And God, that we would look at each other in a complimentary way. Father, that today in this place we would continue to see younger individuals come to faith and, and life and their energy and their passion would pour out into our congregation, into our people. God, I pray that you would continue to use the older generation. Lord, to use them to bring discernment and wisdom and experience. Father, may we benefit from those relationships. But Father, we pray in the end that it's not just for our own personal edification and fellowship and joy. Lord, we pray in the end that as you use us collectively together, that we would be one voice crying in the wilderness. Prepare you the way. Lord, that people would make preparation to meet Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Unite us now around your good news, around your gospel. And Lord, help us to commit today to being a part of this family that would promote your gospel in our community and beyond. We pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand?